Welcome to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show Podcast from Real Country 92.1 Hank FM. Brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito. Recorded live every Monday night at 7 from the new Jake's Burgers in Alito. And now with Alito Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones, the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist. Rick Hillary to the outside, 20, 15, 10 with a block, 5, touchdown Alito Bearcats. And that was one of the four touchdowns that the sophomore running back, Ray Guillory, scored Friday night over at Choctaw Stadium in Arlington, where the Bearcats defeated Red Oak by a score of 59-35 in the regional semifinals. And the Bearcats moving on to the Class 5A Division I Region 1 Championship Game State quarterfinals, if you will. They'll be taking on Abilene this coming Friday, 7 o'clock start in Stephenville at Tarleton State University. Hi, everybody. I'm Kevin Lonquist here along with head coach Robbie Jones. Appreciate everyone's support throughout the course of this podcast season. Of course, you can get this podcast on Hank, on Hank FM or wherever you download your podcast. We're going to have three segments tonight. We're going to be joined in the second segment on the left side of the offensive line, older brother DJ Williams and younger brother, uh, the guard, Peyton Williams. And then on our third segment, we're going to have wide receiver Colton McCoy. He made it up, uh, his presence known in Friday's game. And then place kicker Cole Crawford. Of course, they will be joining us here on the uh, podcast again, third segment. So stick around for all three of those this evening. All right, Coach, congratulations on the win. I think maybe the most impressive thing about your performance on Friday night's victory was the fact that you start off the games eight for eight, scoring on your eight pos- first eight possessions of the game. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. No, it was great execution by our offense. Our offense did a great job coming out. You know, right out of the gate, you know, going, what was it, 91-yard right. uh, drive uh, f- on our first drive for a touchdown. And then they just continued to roll from there, you know, throwing the ball, you know, through the air, and then as well as on the ground. I think maybe one of the early key plays for you was that opening possession, the you know, the third and 14, where Haas finds uh, Trace Clarkson on that 25-yard pass play. That was Trace's only reception of the night, by the way. But the extension that Trace had on that play to haul that in, you can just see how that chemistry is between those two. They've hit each, they've connected with each other the most this year. But that was such an important play because it just kind of set the tone on a play that could have been pivotal for how the game unfolded. Yeah, you know, it's big. You know, and, and that's one of the things we were looking for going into the game was some of those, you know, big chunk yardage, you know, big plays, explosive plays, something that we haven't had uh, in the previous three games. So we were trying to get some of those uh, big chunk yardage, and we were able to get those, you know. And then, you know, in the second series, then we had the long pass that uh, Caden Finley took the distance. And you'll hear that here on the second segment on that touchdown. I mean, and I'm going to talk about Caden Finley again because of the fact that, you know, it's pretty much since Denton Ryan, we've seen a different Caden Finley. We've talked so much about his blocking, but his and everything else, and just becoming more of a factor here, but and being more of a physical player. But the fact that he's now asserting himself, what does that mean for the offense in terms of balancing out the passing game? I mean, it helps us, you know, quite a bit. You know, we got we got several receivers that we can go to at any time. You've seen games where uh, Trace has had big games. Now we've seen Caden have some big games. We've seen Hawk have some big games, and and then even Colt McCoy, when he was healthy, uh, was having some big games. So, you know, we got capable receivers. You know, of course, we got a a great quarterback that can get them the ball. The future of the Alito football program in pretty good hands because the Bearcats had 592 yards, a total offense, and 337 of that coming from the sophomores. Guillory rushing for 189 yards and the four touchdowns, as I mentioned. Then Finley, 148 yards and the two touchdowns, including the 84-yarder there. On that touchdown pass 
uh, the first one that Caden caught, because I'll go to the second one in the back in the corner of the end zone there on that 12-yarder. But on that 84-yarder, I mean, that's a simple route. But at the same time, when you're running away from pretty explosive secondary guys, on that makes the play even more impressive to watch. Yeah, it was very impressive. You know, the fact that, number one, he got open, and then once he did catch the football, you know, then he was in a foot race, and he won the foot race. And, and then the second one, just standing in the corner, just an athletic play on that and coming down with it. Just take us through a play like that. Yeah, that was a, a back shoulder fade that we had called from the sideline. You know, we had talked about it on the sideline, said, hey, we're either going to run the, the pylon route or the back shoulder fade. And uh, we decided to go with the back shoulder fade. And, you know, it was a great throw by Haas, and, and Caden went up and got it. Is that going to be a, a situation where the matchups or if he's got the height advantage over the corner? I mean, of course, the corners can be physical and that sort of thing, but – how do you determine which way you want to go in a play like that? Yeah, I mean, that was basically the fact that, you know, he was a bigger, you know, more physical presence than that corner that uh, he was going against. And it was something that we've been working in practice, and, and we wanted to use it at that point in time. I think the one of the things that I've found in these games here, these first three playoff games, and is the fact that all these teams – have this sense of urgency that they want to get the opening jump on you guys. They want to make you chase. And when you guys get that stop, we'll go back to the Shoemaker game where you guys you know, had the two early turnovers, but then the defense comes up with the three and out, and then you have the Chris Johnson interception there to take away, and then you guys immediately score on that. Then you look the same way with Cooper where you know, they want to try and do something as well, and you guys are able to thwart that. And then against Red Oak last, week, last Friday, you guys stop them on their first two possessions. You jump out 14 to nothing. They wanted the ball first in that game, too. And so the fact that you guys are able to make them chase rather than you chase has to have some sort of a psychological uh, uh, element to this. Yeah, it does, you know, and, and that's probably what their, their game plan was. You know, that's the reason why he won the toss. He took the ball, you know, with the fact that he wanted to try to get out and, and get an early lead. Uh, but... Uh, They've historically were a, a slow starting team, and, and we talked to the kids about that, the fact that, you know, they, sl they start a little slow, you know, and then they pick it up. And we, what we got to do is we got to be consistent on offense, and we got to go out, take an early lead, and then maintain that lead. Indeed you did. In fact, uh, you know, you guys were jumping out to, I think it was 28-7, then it was 28-14 at the half. And really your defense, for the most part, I mean, it was exactly what you wanted it to be in this ballgame. I mean, I think the score a little bit misleading because – Obviously, there was the kickoff return for the touchdown at the end of the first half. Then there was the garbage time uh, fumble return by the scrubs and everyone else at the end of the game. But I think overall defensively, I have to think you like the way that this group performed against a really talented offensive unit, especially with those wide receivers. Right, yeah. They had some explosive guys over there on their offense, and our defense did a really good job of slowing them down, you know, and for the most part, keeping them out of the end zone, you know, for most of the night, you know. They had a big, long return that set up an easy touchdown for them. Then they right. did have a return all the way for a touchdown. And then the, the late one where we had uh, the fumble by the freshman, then they scooped and scored, you know, and that was kind of – that was really a 14-point swing because we were going to have to – we couldn't run the clock out uh, down there at that time. We were going to have to, you know, either score or turn the ball over on downs, and we ended up fumbling it. Yeah. I think the one thing about your offense, and, you know, the Deacon was telling us about this earlier today, was the fact that your offense through the first three weeks of the postseason, you've had 33 possessions, you've scored on 20 of them, and in the last two games – You've had 22 possessions, and you've scored on 16 of them. That goes starts back to the 8-for-8 eight eight to start the game against Red Oak. And in several of those, in of those six possessions in the last two games, three of those have been where you've just taken a need to run out either the half or the game. I, I don't know, Robbie, if you could ask for the way this veteran offensive group has just performed. I know you talked about execution, but just 
at that level, though, consistently like that. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the work that they put in. You know, I talked about that after the game with one of the reporters. You know, these guys, when we came back in January after we won that state championship, they went to work. Uh, they've been hitting the weights. They come to track, you know, at, at 6.45 every morning. So these guys that have put in the work, and that work is showing right now, you know, with that execution, you know, and – we're finally getting our guys, you know, healthy, you know, right. uh, we're not a hundred percent healthy, but you know, as far as, you know, being as healthy as we've been, it's as close as we've been, you know, since the second game of the year. Yeah. I was going to say, because Caden Finley was dealing with some dings and he's finally getting through it. I mean, Haas has kind of been dealing with a little bit of a leg injury and of mm-hmm. course, and, and I'm sure, you know, Ray isn't all the way back from his lower body injury, but he's gutting it through and we should all have such problems when he's running for 70 yards and a score or 78 yards and a score. And so, but what, I mean, everyone's dealing with something this time of year. It's late and you're getting banged up. And so it's just a manage of how to manage yourself through a season like this. Right. Yeah. We're 13 games in, you know, and you've been playing 13 physical football games. It takes a toll on your body. Uh, and so we just got to make sure we're taking care of the uh, guys, you know, the ones that are a little banged up, you know, maybe not practice them as much as we have been, you know. But, you know, we're trying to take care of our kids, but at the same time we got to get them prepared for the game. You know, we're about to go play a very physical uh, football team that that plays extremely hard, and we got to be ready for that. Yeah, we'll get to Abilene here in a second. I'm going to ask you, though, just about – and I've never asked you this before – is – you know, managing a season that runs so deep, and we've seen this so many times over the years with your, with this program, but because the body takes such a toll, this is an NFL-type schedule you all have played for so many years. When you manage your bodies through that, what's the key to get them through week to week on something like this so they can still perform at the level that you and everybody else is hoping that they can? Yeah, the main thing is when, when they're away from us, they're getting the rest. You know, they, they've got to rest their bodies. They can't go out and try to do extra stuff outside you know, of the work week that we put them, put them through because, you know, it's a long, long, long process, you know, uh, and, and some people in, and other teams really, you know, when they get to the playoffs and they get to this point, they're not used to doing this and they, they've grown tired of the season, mm-hmm. you know, where our kids uh, have become accustomed to it. They're, they're used to a 16 week season and that plays a, a big advantage for us. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a great point because it's kind of like being emotionally invested week to week. It's kind of like that. And this is really, I mean, when you think about having to win six games, that's a season and a half plus one that you have to go through on this and you have to stay mentally engaged on that. That's got to be equally the challenge. Yep. It sure is. You know, our kids do a really good job of that, you know, and it's probably because of the expectations and the fact that we've been there, done that, you know, and if we don't play 16 games, it's a big disappointment for our kids. All right, let's talk about the Eagles. They come into this game at 11-2. and two. They defeated Justin Northwest last week up in Wichita Falls by a score of 27-16, to 16, coached by Mike Fullen, done a great job this year. Run out of the uh, – offensively, they're going to go with their power spread formation. Defensively, they base out of a 3-4. Just talk a little about just the overall – what you see from the Eagles and what impresses you about them. You know, what impresses me the most is how hard these kids play, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of our Alito teams. You know, they're going to go out. They might not be the biggest team on the field, but they are playing like they are. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they're playing fast and they're playing physical. And the the other coaches uh, that I have talked to about them, that's the main thing that they stress to me is, you know, you go out and look at these guys. You may see teams that are physically, you know, more, you know, put together and all that. But 
nobody's going to outplay, you know, the Abilene Eagles is, is their mindset. And so we've got to go match that. You know, I talked to that about our kids today is the fact that, you know, these guys are going to play hard. And that's normally one of the advantages that we have over other teams is how hard our kids play. And then they're also going to be physical. So we got to match their physicality, match their effort, you know, and uh, go out and, and dominate in all phases of the game. Their quarterback, Dylan Stack, has thrown for nearly 2,300 yards with 26 touchdowns. They're going to spread it around on the ground. Their top two running backs are Braden Henry. He's about 850 yards. Chad Lara, about 530 yards on the ground. Their top wide receiver is Ryland Bradford. He's over 800 yards receiving. Uh, again, it's kind of like you in some respects where they're, they just have – multiple guys that can do certain things and so you can't account for just one or two you got to have to pay attention to several of them yeah you gotta you gotta have your eyes everywhere on the field with these guys you know they don't just have one receiver they got several receivers they don't just have one running back they have several running backs they use two quarterback you know system uh and and number eight uh the slack kid he is a really really good quarterback that's something that you know when i turned on the film started watching them was hey look this kid you know, he's, he's legit quarterback. He makes plays. He, he moves around in the pocket and finds open receivers, and he does a really good job of operating their offense. And, and they are very multiple offensively as far as their formations. They're going to mm-hmm. shift around, overload you to one side, and try to get you misaligned and take advantage of those things. I was going to say, with, with them on their offense, it's – Maybe it's not flashy, but it's efficient from, is the way, everything that I've read about them. And, yeah. and they're opportunistic, too, because I, I think they forced a couple of turnovers against the Texans on Friday night up in Wichita Falls, and they capitalized on yeah, that. Yeah, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they got four, four turnovers from Denton Ryan two weeks ago, and then right. they also got four turnovers last week. Uh, from Northwest. And that's part of that is, you know, the fact that their defense is playing so hard. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they go out and they, you know, try to outplay you and, and out physical you and they get some turnovers and then they take advantage of them. Yeah, and they have forced 37 turnovers this year. They have 20 interceptions. They've recovered 17 fumbles. So that speaks to what you were just talking about. And yeah. so, so they pry up, so they take advantage, so they like to take advantage of the shorter field that they can do that. And so, oh, yeah, you know, and, and they've been able to force those turnovers and that's one of the things that we're going to focus on again this week you know we've done a pretty good job the last couple of weeks of taking care of the football uh you know it didn't end that way last uh last week with the late fumble but that was right. you know a young kid uh but uh, our kids have, have put a focus on that and normally when we get to the playoffs and we have successful playoff runs it's because we take care of the football speaking of uh the turnovers obviously Jaden allen finally got that first interception of the year for him i'm sure it was kind of like it's about time when that happened right. but you know, I, I did want to go back to that that whole game within the game thing with Braden Robinson and Taz Williams and what Jaden and what Jaden and Chris Johnson did. Of course, don't want to uh, second guess any or don't want to lose sight of what Boogie Owens and what Jake Gillespie did in, in the safety spots. But when you see that kind of matchup, what did you learn about Jaden and Chris going against two talented wide receivers like that? I mean, it shows what they're capable of. You know, they didn't give up just a whole lot. You know, of pass yards to those guys, but you know. Uh, Jaden doesn't get a whole lot of opportunities to get an interception because most of the time people aren't throwing his direction, you know. So when you have good receivers out there, then he's going to get the opportunities to get a, an interception like he did. Okay, and then and did you, because maybe my eyes were playing tricks on me, but did you kind of go back and forth between Chris and Jaden on Taz, or would, yeah. or did you primarily stick with one over the other? Well, at the beginning we were, we were putting Jaden on him, you know. So Jaden was going, you know, wherever he went. And then when Boogie, you know, got hurt a little bit and Jaden had to go to uh, safety. So then 
Chris started following him around. So, yeah, you know, both of them played on him. Okay. And the fact that, that I mean, it's going to help them, too, down the line, too. And this is kind of what we expected here deeper into the postseason, that teams are, who have the ability to throw it, the secondary is finally going to get some work on them. Yeah. And so, you know, and it seemed like to me with Red Oak that I'm not going to take anything away from their passing game. But because they were playing a backup, they didn't seem to have that real fluid type of drop-back kind of situations. It was almost like Martinez was going to run, he was going to option it, then he was going to drop back, and it was kind of like, I'll just throw this at the last second. And I would imagine that had to be kind of chaotic, but your guys just had to adjust to something like that. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a very capable quarterback. You know, he was a kid that had played quarterback earlier in his career and then, you know, got moved to the running back spot. So, you know, he, he wasn't like somebody that had never played quarterback before. And, and he, he right. operated well. They, they had a few new little schemes uh, that we hadn't seen. That seems to be the case every week. Right. You know, uh, whatever it is that we haven't worked on is what uh, is successful for the other, te- for the other team early. Uh, we were able to make some adjustments to it, you know, uh, and then get some of that stuff stopped. Okay, finally, I just want to get into a little bit of the special teams with Cole Crawford bouncing back. I know he had, he had the struggles uh, – couple weeks ago against Shoemaker but the 39 yard field goal right at the end of the first half what did that do for him and what did that do for you all just for the whole team in general because that's a big mental lift yeah that's a big mental lift you know that's going to help him you know if we have a similar situation later on uh, in the playoffs we felt like we we needed to give him that opportunity Uh, you know with the the Shoemaker game that was some bad wind conditions right you know and that pushed the ball wide uh with the win. So, you know, we get him out there, get him a, an opportunity to, to amend for that, you know, and, and make a play for us, and he was able to do that. So psychologically, that's going to help him later down the road. Now, final question for you as we get ready for this game against Abilene. What are some of the things that you're going to focus in on with your team before you all take the bus ride down to Erath County? You know, we're going to focus in on making sure that we know what these guys are doing uh, by all of their alignments. You know, they have, like I said, lots of different offensive alignments. So we're going to do lots of film study to make sure that we know, you know, what their favorite things to do are when the tight end is lined up in the slot, when the tight end is lined up, you know, in the bunch set, you know, at the point of the bunch set, all those different things. we got to make sure we know, you know, what's coming and, uh, and then focus in on making sure we're taking care of the football because they are opportunistic, you know, team and we'll take advantage of those turnovers and then, you know, match their effort level, you know, and not just match it, but, you know, exceed it and let's play harder than they're playing. All right. Sounds good, Coach. We'll look forward to it. And then the, the winner of this game, hopefully it's going to be the Bearcats. are going to get the winner of the Region 2 in the state semifinals. That would be a week from Friday against either Lancaster or Forney. Those two teams are playing Friday night right at the same time over in Rockwall. So, Coach, thanks for joining us, and uh, have a great week of work, and we will see you on Friday. All right. Thank you. All right. Back on the se- on the second segment, again, we're going to be joined by the left side of the offensive line for the Bearcats. That's left tackle D.J. Williams and his younger brother, guard Peyton Williams. Stick around. We're coming right back. Guillory stands to the right of Haney, who stands in the shotgun. Two receivers to the near side, one to the far right. It is a play action. Haney to throw. Pass is caught. That's Caden Finley running away. 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. Touchdown, Alito Bearcats! 84 yards! Hoss Haney to Caden Finley. 
And that was the second touchdown for the Bearcats in their 59-35 victory over Red Oak on Friday. Want to let you know that uh, our our podcast is brought to you by our friends at H5 Sports Barn and Knife Physio. H5 Sports Barn and Knife Physio and Performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats with expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. Time now for our Alito alumni report. Two receivers to let you know about. Uh, Utah is going <clears throat> excuse me, Alito, uh, Utah is going into the postseason to a bowl, and wide receiver Money Parks second on all that team with all catches among wide receivers. He has 30 receptions for the Utes this year. And then TCU and uh, wide receiver JoJo Earl, the former Bearcat, having a big outing for him. His best game as a uh, Horned Frog. Four catches, 94 yards, and a touchdown against the Sooners this past Friday up in Norman. Okay, we are pleased to be joined. To my left is the senior left tackle. The blind side is uh, DJ Williams, and then to my far left side is the kind of the blind side, but also kind of the one that keeps DJ on. That's his younger brother, uh, Peyton uh, Williams here. And guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate it. Yes, sir. How you doing? All right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the way this offense is going from an offensive line's perspective here. Okay. You guys, I don't know if you had heard this or not in the first segment, but you all have scored or did score on the first eight times you touched the football against Red Oak. When you hear that kind of thing, what does that tell you? I'm going to start right off with you, Peyton, when you hear, hear something like that. Uh, I just think it shows how uh, talented we are for uh, all of the team. I mean, like, and how diverse we are with what we can do and how we can attack uh, defenses and how we can just pick them apart and get to score every time we – or the first eight times that we had touched the ball and just drive down the field and show how uh, – how electric and explosive we are as a team. And then for you, DJ? Well, I think it shows how, like, if everybody does their job, nobody can stop us. We t- first eight times is a lot. That means we scored eight touchdowns in one game. That's a lot of touchdowns in one <laughs> game. So as long as everybody does their job, there's nobody that can really stop us. You know, so. you guys had, had some issues getting things executed against Denton Ryan. Take nothing away from Denton Ryan because that's a really good defensive team. And it probably helped you ready for this in terms of physicality and what they showed you. And then you also had some frustrations against Shoemaker. Of course, we're talking about games where you still won, but it wasn't where you wanted it to be. What do you think changed from the Shoemaker game to where you guys just took off against Cooper? I'll start with you on this, DJ. Um, I think the biggest thing about the Shoemaker game was it was wet outside, so it was a lot harder for us to pass the ball and maintain control of the ball because it was a lot slippery than we, what we were used to. So I think that was the biggest issue that game. But other than that, just every, everybody, as long as they do their job, we should be able to score every time we touch the ball. And then Peyton, for you, what did you what do you think changed, or just how, how do you think it all kind of transcended like it did? Uh, I think we just uh, for sure we cut down on the mental mistakes, or we, yeah. So uh, like after the game, and we just kind of took a step back and really uh, uh, got to know like what we needed to fix, and we everybody had worked on the little things and. We just let it take care of all the big things, like scoring eight touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, that would be that. Okay, so I want to ask you guys, too, because in a running game like this, you know, running games have changed so much over the years. There used to be one guy that was the primary ball carrier and then maybe a second guy. But you guys, kind of a different set. There's four or five different guys that can carry the football, and I'm also including your quarterback in this. So you got regular who comes back. You obviously have Hawk that can do it. Then you get Devon that can, can uh, 
get some burn for you as well. And Caden Finley has been, or excuse me, uh, Caden Wingfield has uh, developed nicely here. And of course, Haas. Different styles that you all have to adjust to when it comes to those types of guys in terms of getting a crease for them? Or what's kind of the key in terms of when you know who's going to get the ball about how to execute your block so that that hole will be there? I'm going to start with you on this, Peyton. Uh, I think it's usually the same for everything. Uh, we, we just like to be physical and just try to move the line as much as we can. So, I mean, like for me, I try to uh, get as much as I can, especially in a, uh, sometimes in a three front. I try to get as much as I can on the down guy and get to the linebacker so that they don't have to make as many moves uh, for any of them just so that they can get into open space because we know how really good they are in open space. And so, uh, but we don't really change much in what we do and, uh, how we approach anything because we know who can carry the ball and yeah. all of them can. So yeah, except pretty well too. And then, <laughs> and then for and then for a, a DJ, what do you uh, see? Uh, we don't really change anything up front. We just we block our guys and we do the best we can. We try to the holes will open up eventually. And um, like our coach Coach Wheeler always says, four yards is a good football play. So as long if we move the line of scrimmage four yards, that means we're gaining four yards on that play. So. As long as we get four yards every play, it doesn't matter who's holding the ball, who's running the ball, we will eventually have that big explosive play after a couple plays. So. How, do you, how do you think the running game changed with, with Guillory's return? Start with you on that, DJ. Um, I don't think it didn't necessarily change too much because, you know, we had Hawk to fill in and then Wakefield to fill in. So we had those good um, people to fill in with Guillory out but I think it also made our team a lot more diverse because Hawk could go from running back to slot and then Ray could also be at um running back to run the ball on the stretch and you know it just opened up a couple more plays for us what do you think on that uh I'd like to agree with DJ on that one but uh because it really does open up the offense as much as possible whenever we have all our guys healthy and everybody can do what they've been practicing doing whereas Whenever uh, you got a guy having to practice two positions, it, it takes a lot. And so uh, with Hawk and Wingfield, they stepped up really good. And I think that we can really have a good run at this uh, whenever everybody's healthy, though. I'm going to mark the time at 725 on November 27, 2023, where the Williams brothers actually agreed with each other on something <laughs> on this. <laughs> and so... Um, Okay, but playing to okay, I'm kind of uh, burying the, the lead here, but but playing alongside of each other, um, you know, this is your last ride, and you get to you get to play alongside. I want to just talk about the emotional disconnection, just the fact that you guys have had this year together playing like this. What has that meant to you all, just in terms of just being out there, going through the wars, and having this kind of relationship in a different way? I'm gonna ask you about this since you're the since you're the one that's going to be quote unquote left behind. And so, uh, man, it means everything, you know, just uh, the connection we have and how we uh, communicate. You know, sometimes we bump heads and whatnot, but we I get... can't believe that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we uh, we get through it and. Uh, Good. He's really good to talk to, and he helps me a lot with us because he played left guard last year. So anything I'm confused on, anything I need to fix, he's right there. He tells me how to how to do it because he know he's been there and he knows how to get it done. And so it really just he's helped me a lot, and I think we're really good together. Okay, and then what's it been like for you just to commute, just to be with him, just from an emotional standpoint? And of course, you got to do your job on the field too. So what's that been like for you, DJ? It's been really nice, you know, playing next to Peyton, you know. It, was, it wasn't a situation where we had to build a bond. It was already there from his 16, 17 years of living. So 
we were already pretty close, but I will say playing next to him brought us a lot closer. It's also made me mature a little, made me turn into the older brother, per se, because now I had to make sure that he was doing things right, and I also had to still do this. I also had to still learn a whole new position at left tackle, so that was pretty nice. You know, just making this adjustment to playing left guard for you, Peyton, what's, what was the thing you learned? Not only about that, but just at the varsity level. What, did you, what have you learned about yourself in just playing that this year and going through a season like you are and that's still going on, obviously? Uh, I think uh, two things are key. That's uh, small things and confidence. I feel like whenever I'm confident in myself, I have my best games. And so uh, it, it really starts with that first play. And so whenever you get off the ball, you knock a guy out, you know what I mean? Just get in there and you have a really good time. I think that really pushes me and motivates me in just the small things like footwork, hands inside, not holding, not fall, not getting false starts, you know. I think it all just comes together and uh, makes me a better player. And then I, I think the one thing, too, is about this, this offensive line is you do not see a lot of false starts from you guys. And I, I would imagine – I mean, just – it, there's been a few. I mean, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for, but for the most part, that discipline, that that attention to detail. What does that meant though? For I mean, just what does that mean to when you don't hear those those five yard or you don't are aren't watching those five yard walk offs that sort of thing? I'll start with you, DJ. Well, I think it's a big thing, and especially like just in our play calls and everything, because we like to script out our plays for like the first one or two drives. So whenever you are already starting behind the chains, you throw off almost the entire chemistry of how the play is supposed to mend together, you know. Um, and it's also one of those things where if you have enough discipline to stay in your stance when somebody's yelling in your face, jumping at you, then you should have enough discipline to do the little things right. The little things lead to big things. So. And then for you, what do you see? Yeah, it's just uh, it, it's everything, you know. You just uh, The fact that we can get a first and 10 and not a first and 15 is amazing, you know, just not having to – get those extra five yards that we shouldn't have gave up in the first place and right. uh, how we've been so disciplined in the way that we handle all the stemming and all the yelling go and all that stuff how uh, some teams have done before. But I think we handled it pretty well and we've been um, – it, it's brought it's brought wonders, you know. It just puts us in better field position than uh, – And I was going to ask you, because there was kind of an interesting point in the opening series of the game uh, – your opening offensive possession when there was the flags that were thrown and we I think we were all of the mindset early that it was going to be a false start against you guys but then it turned out to be a delay of game on them because they were trying to check off and kind of what you're speaking to DJ where they were mouthing and they were trying to get you guys off sides and that and the officials picked up on that take what did you see from that or what do you recall from that play um I just remember falling almost out of my stance and whenever we, looked, whenever we looked at the film it looked like I was an elephant with a trunk because my arm just kind of flailed up in the air <laughs> and then came back down real slow but um, I remember just getting up and I was like crap I know I did not just get an, a false start because it would have been I think it might have been my first one and I was so like angry but but because I thought they had, I thought the center had said hut because he had just looked up and then number five yelled something and so I thought he said hut so I kind of came out of my stance and then whenever they yelled whenever they said it was on the other team I was like relieved that it was not on me. Did you hear that by the way, Peyton? Oh yeah, very clear, very clear. Go, you yeah. know. But good thing that's. Uh, did you ever hear that after that flag? Did they do that ever again, or did they try to, or did they kind of no they they, shut that down? Yeah, they, sh- they shuffled and stemmed a lot, but they didn't do any yelling or anything like that. They didn't want stupid penalties. And I got you on that. Okay, so for you guys, as you go through a season like this, I was talking with Coach Jones about this in terms of just keeping your bodies 
physically maintained throughout the rigors of a season. You've been through this, you're going through this, and so what have you found as we're on week basically 15, because you got to mix in the bye on this, but what's the thing you've learned about adjust, getting your body adjusted and getting prepared to play a game? Because that's not an easy thing to do, DJ. <laughs> um, the biggest thing is just whenever something aches, go to Coach Little. You know, he's one of the better, tra- he's one of the best trainers out there. And you know, whenever something hurts, you go to him and he's going to get you right. It doesn't matter if you have to sit out for two days during practice; he will find a way to get you back on the field of feeling your best. Um, and then for you, Peyton, you're, since you're going through all this and kind of experiencing it at all. Yeah, he's, uh, he's helped me with a lot uh, this year. Like, during the season, he's got me uh, healthy, and he's got me playing to my best ability with uh, any aches and pains he helps me with. He gives me stretches. He'll Sometimes he'll email me. He'll text my dad, help me uh, get new stretches that I couldn't find on the Internet or something like that. So, but, no, uh, yeah, lifting, stay, just staying in shape is probably the best and – uh, staying healthy. Let's turn toward, and then finally here, we'll talk a little bit about uh, with Abilene as you guys are getting ready to play the Eagles on Friday night down in Stephenville. What's the thing about their defense that stands out to you? I'll start with you, DJ. That they bring seven people almost every play, and they bring them honest, they kind of bring them in an odd way to where they all come all at once. Say, because they bring their linebackers up and move their D line back so that they're almost all within a one yard section of each other. And they all just fly off the ball. So you have seven people coming right at you almost every play. Mm. What did you see, Peyton? Uh, yeah, just the uh, being back behind, being a yard off the ball is uh, it'll be an adjustment, but it'll be an adjustment we have to make. And so I think we'll handle it well and uh, we'll show them what we can do. Yeah, I was going to say because of the fact that that's probably part of their recipe and how they've forced a lot of turnovers this year. And so I would suspect that if you guys can pick that up and manage that that could go a long way towards success on friday night is that fair to say dj yes sir as long as if we make that adjustment early and you know it shouldn't be that big of a deal because we we've practiced it all we're going to be practicing all week with the scout team and all those kids where coach wheeler and coach Corey they have them backing up an entire yard and they have some of our like best one some of our better linebackers coming down and they have them going full speed as soon as that ball snapped they're sprinting at us ready to come wrong shoulder us like how Abilene's going to do us. So. All right. And then Peyton, for you, just real quickly on that part. I mean, it's just, what do you think is going to be the key to just kind of keeping the kind of managing that, that, that uh, approach from them? I think the key will be uh, staying control of your body and uh, how you move. So I mean, that's what I'll be focusing on and making sure that I don't let them make any uh, dumb movements on me or something like that, that I can't control myself and uh, keep pushing. And so I just don't want to get out of control and I want to uh, get in their pads and drive them. All right. Sounds good, guys. Well, listen, thanks so much for being here. This is the left tackle. This is DJ Williams. This is the left guard. That's Peyton Williams. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thank you. On our third segment, we're going to be joined by place kicker Cole Crawford and then wide receiver Colton McCoy. So stick around. We're back for a third segment after this timeout. Third segment of the Alito Coaches Show podcast. We're coming to you from Jake's off of 1187 here in Alito, follow as uh, we look forward to the Bearcats taking on the Abilene Eagles, a game you can hear on 92.1 
Hank FM. Pre-game show is at 6.30. The kickoff is at 7 o'clock at Memorial Stadium on the campus of Tarleton State University between the Bearcats and the Abilene Eagles. This reminder that our podcast is brought to you by H5 Sports Barn and Nye Physio. H5 Sports Barn and Nye Physio and performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats. With expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. Okay, we're happy to be joined by wide receiver Colton McCoy and place kicker Cole Crawford. Guys, thanks for being with us. Service. All right, so let's start with you, Colton, because I'm sure for you, big game for you, three catches, about 52 yards in that game against Red Oak, and I'm sure for you, because of what you were dealing with throughout the course of the season with this hip flexor issue, had to be such a great feeling to just be a part of something and contribute. What, what did that mean to you just from an emotional standpoint? Yes, sir. I mean, it's been annoying not being able to be on the field this season, so getting back in that game and being able to contribute to the team and that team effort, getting a win, it, it was a great feeling. Um, I'm hopeful for the next few weeks to continue to get the ball and help out this team. What about for you? Because, you know, you had a pretty, you know, you've had some pretty solid numbers coming in. You were sitting at 266 receiving-wise. But, but the fact, though, that you can come in there and be that slot guy and that can make that, that difference there on, you know, on a, on a clutch catch, on a third down or whatever, what does your presence, you think, mean to the passing game and setting things up when it's involving Trace Clarkson or Caden mm-hmm. Finley, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think it just opens it up. I mean, we have many threats on the field, all of them, Caden Finley, Trace, Hawk, Tyson, everybody can get the ball and make plays in the field. So I think me being out there is just another threat against the defense that they'd have to deal with and contributing to powerful offense that we have all right and then uh, for you cole congratulations to you career best 39 yard field goal right at the end of the first half you've uh you've, you've perfected the art of uh, field goals at the guns what the the 21 yarder to win uh against denton geyer and then of course this 39 yard here since we didn't have you on after the uh, win over denton geyer i want to want to take you through because i know we had you on the post game show about that kick but now you've had a chance to kind of think about that kick when everything that was going on in that game against geyer just what do you remember about that play and how much do you have to kind of like just tune out the noise and kind of just remember it's a kick like it is in practice or how much can you normalize something like that? Um, I mean, that distance and I'm better on the left hash. So, I mean, that's about as routine of as a routine of a, of a kick you can get. And so going into that, I wasn't even really nervous. Um, you know, I'm just thinking I've done this a million times. We do this every single day in practice. So, you know, I, I trust my holders, Colton and Austin, whenever they do it and switch off. Um, and so, you know, just trust my training. Just, just do what I've been doing, you know, for I don't even know how long since. I've been kicking since middle school. So just, just keep doing the same thing. It's not very far. So on my good hash, so just, just do it. Okay, so let's fast forward now to the 39-yarder against Red Oak to end the first half because – that's a big kick, too, because they had just returned the ensuing kickoff back for a touchdown. You guys get it back with about 30-some-odd seconds to go, and you're able to get a big kickoff return from Blake Burdine to set you up, and then you go out there and drill the 39-yarder. So just take us through that. Is it the same? Does it have the same kind of you know, mindset, same kind of mechanics, you know, all that good stuff that you're going through like you did against Guy, or, or is it different? Um, it's... Everything's pretty similar. I mean, I try. I kind of have a max distance, and I know what that is. And every kick is pretty much the same. It's the same. It's like swinging a golf club. You know, you do the same exact thing. It's just sometimes you lean a bit more. Sometimes you swing a little bit harder. And so, again, like I was saying, that kick was on my good hash. Um, 40 yards and in, I'm pretty confident there. And I trust my holder, trust my deep snapper. So it's pretty much just get ready. Um, After Blake had the good return, 
you know, just instantly go over to my coaches, get my tee ready, just get stay warmed up, just, you know, be ready to do my thing. So what is your max distance that you can go? Um, the furthest I've ever hit in practice was a 55-yarder. I had a pretty generous wind at my back, but, you know, <laughs> hey, it went through. <laughs> but, uh, what kicker yeah. has it, right? Right. <laughs> so, but, I mean, but under normal conditions, if the wind was, you know, it was if it was calm winds, what do you think your distance would be for something like that? Um, max, I'd probably say about 50. I'm probably comfortable from 45 and in. It just, you know, it just kind of depends on everything going around. Is it a leg strength thing or is it a mechanics thing in terms of just when it comes to those field goals from that distance? Um, uh, I mean, it is kind of a leg strength thing, but at the same time, mechanics are really important. Um, you know, I, whenever we're in practice, players come out and they try and kick field goals all the time, and you got the guys who can squat. 500 pounds and they can't kick a field goal so i mean it, mechanics are really important but at the same time leg strength is really important too so me and all the other kickers pretty much have it down it's just once we once you have the mechanics down then it's just how strong how much stronger can you get so. all right and i want to ask you too since you're the holder on this and just the chemistry on something like that it's always everyone knows it's laces out that sort of thing yeah. but it's also too in terms of just making sure that you have the hand signal so that it so that this play is executed perfectly what's this been like just developing that chemistry that sort of thing yeah i mean it's been pretty simple ever since spring ball we've been going through it i mean getting some snaps in with the snapper and then just holding it for cold it's pretty simple just get the snap and hopefully it's not the laces pointing at his feet <laughs> but there's a couple times you got to spin it but it's it's pretty simple other than that any kind of a moment where it was almost like, where it was like that close to not being executed the way you wanted to? In practice, it happened today, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I gave him the laces on accident. But other than that, in the game, I think it's been pretty smooth. For you, confidence is always a big thing for kickers, Cole. And, you know, you had your struggles a couple of weeks ago against Shoemaker, the 30-some-odd mm -hmm. yard misses. And so... And, of course, weather played a role in that, too, the wind and the, and the rain and that sort right. of thing. But what did this kick against Red Oak mean for you, though, from a confidence standpoint? Because similar distances to those ones against Shoemaker, what did that mean to you? Um, it meant a lot. It was a big, big confidence booster. Um, all throughout this or last week of practice, you know, I, I was trying to really focus in, you know, uh, perfect my craft and everything. And making that field goal and going perfect on all the extra points, it, it means a lot. It really helps me get my confidence back up. Okay, and then let's go talk about it. Since you were, I talked to the offensive lineman about the offensive uh, explosion here that's been going on with this team, and the fact that if, I don't know if you heard the numbers, but in the last two games between uh, Lubbock Cooper and Red Oak, you guys have scored 16 times on 22 uh, opportunities that you've had the ball, eight out of eight to start the game against Red Oak. So when you watch this offense, if you're on the stand sidelines or even if you're a part of a play. When you watch this thing, even as a spectator, kind of like if the play's not coming your way, Colton, what are you, what are you seeing when you're watching this on a play develop? Um, I think a big part of it is the coaches. I mean, their play calls, they're, they're really good at play, calling the plays, so that's a big part of it. And just uh, the effort level that we put in, I, we step on the field and we're trying to be the most physical team each and every play, so that's a big part of it, making those big plays. They don't come easy. You got you to put in the little plays and make the big plays happen, so I think... Put in your most biggest effort to make the little plays happen. Well, big plays will come on, on their own. Yeah, they're wearing you out with these extra point opportunities too. I mean, that, that, <laughs> yeah, that's. A, I mean, it's not a job that you're going to dismiss or anything like that. And no, so, no. Um, but I mean, it's almost like when they're on offense. Uh, Cole, I have to think that you're saying that they might score here, and I can't mess around. I kind of have to watch this. Or how do you? What's, what do you? What's it like for you on the sidelines? So when I'm on the field, uh, our soccer coach, Coach Veerling, last year, he he uh, ingrained it in my head and trained me that whenever, it, just like 
no matter what, you stand on the side of the field that we're going to score on. If we're on defense and they have the ball on the 10-yard line about to score in the red zone, I stay on that side because our team and our defense, is, we're just so good. That, you know, we can score on anything. And, you know, when they're kicking off, so it's just I just kind of keep uh, Coach McCoy, he holds on to my tees for me. So I just kind of keep him in my sight um, and just stay on that side of the field. So, yeah, just, just always got to be ready. And then for you, Colton, just let me go back to you in terms of just getting reacclimated with this offense and then just getting that chemistry back with Haas. What's that was like? Was that an adjustment? Was it – or did it pretty – or did it click pretty quickly, or how was that for you? Uh, I think the coaches have done a good job rotating me in with the one, so I've gotten reps with Haas for sure. And, uh, I mean, it goes back into spring ball and all this through the summer and everything. We've gotten passes thrown. He's thrown to me. So we have, we have some chemistry in, and as the weeks go on, we've, we've been thrown to each other more, so it's, it's gotten easier. Did those three receptions against Riddo kind of feel like everything was natural? Yeah, they, they, were, they were good balls. I mean, it was just routine their own catch. So nice. That's all good. Nice to hear that. And then for, for you, uh, Cole, I want to ask you because Logan DeFranzo has gotten a lot of opportunities out there uh, with a lot of extra points in it. Uh, just working with him and what's it been like just kind of mentoring him and seeing his development, uh, that sort of thing. What's, what's that experience been like? Uh, I mean, he is just the best guy. I couldn't say enough good things about him. You know, every single time that we're kicking, no matter whether he's playing or I'm playing, you know, we're always right there ready to give each other a fist bump when we come off and make it and miss it. If we miss it, you know, we're super encouraging to each other. Um, you know, just playing football this year and last year, you know, the kickers all, we kind of do our own thing. We kind of have our own group. Our chemistry is just through the roof. You know, we all love each other. We've got such a bond, you know, it's really competitive every single week because he's a great, great kicker. And even through all the competitiveness, you know, we're still brothers through it all. So that, that's, it's a, really a blessing to have a guy like that who can you know no matter what the conditions are whether they're going his way or my way he's consistently an awesome dude through it all now there is an art too of when i'm going to talk about kickoffs here where you guys have done a lot of that pooching kick between the 25 and the 35 yard line where you're kind of kicking it on the angle or you're kicking deep or you're going to kick deep but you're going to try and pin the guy to the side to the the sideline when you go through something like that or you're preparing for something like that, what are you looking for and how do, and do you have to swing your leg differently or how do you do that in order to, in order to execute those types of kicks? Um, I mean, there's a couple of different ways. Um, for pooches, whenever I'm kicking those, it's, it's basically just kick a field goal. It's, it's the same footwork, same swing, same all kind of that. Um, and then for deep kickoffs, um, there's a couple different ways you can do it. You can either line up straight, and then I can kind of swing my leg through and pull it. But, you know, if I do that, then there's more of a risk of me pulling it too far. Um, or I can just uh, – I can angle the tee and line up in an angle. But if I do that, you know, there's a chance I may not hit it right or not get as much power on it. So there's – you know, there's a bunch of different things that go into it, a bunch of different ways you can do it. I'm sure it's different for every kicker. I know Logan has a different run-up. I, I work with a lot of guys, and everyone has a little bit different. But for me – um, you know, each different thing has pros and cons, and so I just kind of go with whatever I'm feeling. And then finally, Colton, let's just talk a little bit about the, facing this Abilene defense, which has been swarming this year. They forced 37 turnovers. They're going to try and create some opportunities because that's what they did against Denton Ryan two weeks ago and then just in Northwest last week. What's going to be the key for this offense to kind of maintain what it's been doing the last couple of weeks against a defense that likes to create some opportunities? Yeah, the big thing is taking control of the ball. I mean, they, they like to force turnovers. That's a big thing they do. So uh, if we keep control of the ball, we should be good. But they're a very physical team, so we need to step out there and be the more physical team and 
should be fine. All right, guys. This is Colton McCoy, the wide receiver, who just came back three catches, about 52 yards uh, on Friday night against Red Oak. And then this is Cole Crawford, the place kicker who just drove the career-best 39-yard field goal. Guys, thanks for being with us. Yeah, of course. And we, and we want to thank you for being a part of this Coaches Show podcast. Remember, you can get your podcast on 92.1 Hank FM or wherever you download your podcast. Don't forget the Bearcats will be playing in the state quarterfinals or Region 1 championship game, whichever way you want to call it. This will be a 7 o'clock kickoff over at... Uh, Tarleton State University on the campus on the campus of Tarleton State University. Pre-game show on Hank FM is at 6:30. We'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for joining us. I'm Kevin Lonquist. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show podcast, brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito with Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones and the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend. You're also welcome to join us in person every Monday night at 7 from the new Jake's Burgers, 601 FM, 1187 in Alito. And then listen to every Alito Bearcats game, home and away, live on 92. Hank FM on the free 92.1 Hank FM app or online at 921hankfm.com. The Alito Coaches Show podcast is a production of real country. Hank FM.